Episode 21, the episode that is officially old enough to legally drink. Top three worst joke of all time, we're keeping it in. Uh, I was watching the Pelicans versus Thunder play-in game a couple days ago, and Zion Williamson's absence hurt the Pelicans, clearly. Not just in their five-point loss to the youngest team in the league, but really big picture. The Pelicans exceeded expectations last year under first-year head coach Willie Green. They were dark horse final contenders this year. That is until Zion hurt his hamstring 29 games in. Pelicans needed a late-season surge just to sneak in the play-in, and even then their playoff hopes were really over before they started. Zion's injury status was never really clear, but it came out that he wasn't even cleared for 5-on-5 before the Pelicans' season ended. Everyone is wondering what to do with Zion. That is literally the $200 million question as Zion signed a five-year extension for $193 million guaranteed, and more if he can stay on the court. I was watching the game and Jeff Van Gundy offered some optimism during the telecast. He explained that Zion's health and reliability moving forward might look shaky having only played 114 games in his first three years. But look at Joel Embiid. Embiid played 31 games in his first three years. Just so we're clear, injury-prone Zion averaged 38 games a season his first three years. He averaged 38 games a season. Embiid played 31 total. This got me thinking about the inexplicable rise of Joel Embiid, the overwhelming favorite at this point for MVP, and the first player to truly defy career-threatening injuries in NBA history. Unfortunately, this is not an echo chamber to explain why Embiid is MVP. I think we're pretty oversaturated with the MVP discussion. It's Embiid's path to this point that is the most impressive part. Embiid didn't even start playing basketball until he was 15 years old, and unsurprisingly had a great freshman season at Kansas that, of course, ended an injury with a stress fracture keeping him out of the NCAA tournament. Still, Embiid's raw talent alone kept him as the consensus number one overall pick. Days before the draft, he got hurt again and had to have surgery to repair another stress fracture, this time in his foot. Minnesota-Milwaukee shied away, taking Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker. I wonder if they like those picks back. He fell to Philly and the rest is history. Embiid missed his entire rookie season because of the foot injury. His recovery had a setback, he had another round of surgery on that foot, and then he missed the next year. Three years in, finally Joel Embiid sets foot on an NBA court for Philly and immediately becomes an impact player, averaging 20 points, 8 boards, 2.5 blocks a night. That was until he tore his meniscus 31 games in and had season-ending surgery. Three surgeries in, the future looked grim. Then something happened. I don't know what it was, and my guess is nobody does, but Embiid just stopped having catastrophic lower body injuries. I've heard that Joel improved his diet, maybe dropped a little bit of weight, but he's still massive. Maybe it was pure luck, or maybe he did that like fire cupping thing that Jackie Chan did in the Karate Kid remake. Embiid hasn't been perfectly healthy since. An orbital fracture kept him out 10 games in 2018. Torn ligament in his hand kept him out for 9 the next year. Missed 10 games for a bone bruise in 2021. That was also the year he literally played through a partially torn meniscus in the playoffs. That would have been unimaginable after his first three years. You look at Joel's basketball reference page, and he plays about 60 games a year now. Not bad for a 280-pound behemoth, especially in the load management era we find ourselves in. This story is impressive and all, but when you compare it to the rest of NBA history, impressive doesn't do it justice. It defies everything. Joel is not the first guy to struggle with injuries early in his career. He's just the first to overcome it. Greg Oden got picked ahead of Kevin Durant in 2007 for a reason. He was super good, and he had a crazy performance in the NCAA championship game. Too bad his right leg is shorter than the left. Just like Embiid, Oden missed his first year because of knee surgery. Then he came back and played 61 games, but it was the beginning of the end. He chipped a kneecap that year. The next year he fractured his patella and missed three straight years. Not one game played with knee surgery after knee surgery. 
He played sparingly in 23 games a couple years later for Miami, spent a year hooping in China, and that was pretty much it for a guy Steve Kerr called a once-in-a-decade player. At least now he's found a second career as president of basketball operations for Butler. Brandon Roy couldn't have asked for much more in the first four years of his career. Three consecutive All-Star nods, three All-NBA selections, Roy was on the cover of a video game, and Kobe said he's the hardest guy to guard in the Western Conference. What could be better? Then we found out Brandon Roy doesn't have enough knee cartilage, and his career fell off a cliff. His playing time plummeted, and for the most part, that was it. Less than two years removed from All-NBA third team, Roy announced his retirement due to his degenerative knees. He tried making a comeback the next year, but it lasted all five games before his knees gave up on him. Again. Like Godin, Roy also found a second great career, this time as a high school basketball coach. Yao Ming was the pinnacle of durability during his first three years. He missed three games, total. Yao's eight-year career might seem pretty good, like, I don't know, making the All-Star game literally every year he actually played, five-time All-NBA, fan favorite, and no Rocket will ever wear 11 again with his jersey hanging in the Raptors. However, it's more about what could have been for Yao. The 7'6", 310-pound giant suffered a myriad of foot, knee, and ankle injuries that kept him out long stretches for the next three seasons. Then he played 77 games and looked like it was all behind him. That is until he fractured his foot again in the playoffs and missed the entire next year. The year after that, he played five games on a minutes restriction, and that was it. 30 years old, a 20-10 and 10 machine, called it a career. Imagine if he holds out two, three more years until when Harden gets there. What happens then? Good thing now Yao is the president of the Chinese Basketball Association. Not a bad second act. Guys like Greg Oden, Brandon Roy, and Yao all had immense talent, careers cut short, and they all had that last set of like 5-10 games after a year off where they probably knew it was over but tried anyway because they just loved the game. And thankfully they all ended up successful. These catastrophic injuries don't always have to end your career, but they almost certainly derail it. Yao's teammate Tracy McGrady had his own injury concerns. 13 points in 35 seconds was maybe the peak for a guy who made 7 straight All-Star games, 7-time All-NBA, and 2 scoring championships, one of the best scorers we've legitimately ever seen. Then Tracy's back started acting up in 2005, but it was more nagging than debilitating. And then came the knees. It's always the knees. He had multiple surgeries, playing sparingly, and a guy who had been hovering around 25 points a night was suddenly at just over 15. And that was it. At least for the McGrady we knew. He bounced around a lot, but he squeaked out four more years, including one where he balled out in China, 25 points a game. 16-year career isn't bad when you've been ravaged by injuries like T-Mac. I know I asked what if we saw Yao and Harden. What if we saw Yao, Harden, and Tracy? Grant Hill, Duke legend and NBA Hall of Famer. How bad could the injuries have really been? Grant Hill missed 23 games in his first six seasons combined. That's as durable as it gets. When you think about the fact that he averaged 28 and 6 and nearly 40 minutes a night, that's unbelievable. Then he left Detroit to team up with Tracy McGrady, of all people, and it all went south. His ankles were completely shot. Here's the number of games he played the next four years. 4, 14, 29, and 0. Those are not games missed, those are games played. Hill had one more all-star season in Orlando, and then more injuries. Hill wasn't done, though, and he didn't squeak out a few years either. He played eight more seasons, and he played over 80 games in three of them. He was a legit role player on that 2010 Suns teams that went on a deep run. Nevertheless, we never saw the unstoppable triple threat from the Pistons again. Imagine if he stayed healthy with T-Mac. Not that Grant Hill needed to prove anything, but now he's a broadcaster, a philanthropist, he's vice chair of the board and part owner of the Atlanta Hawks, and he has a really good hairline. So I think things turned out okay. It was only a matter of time before we talked about Derrick Rose, the only current player on this list. Rose started his career off like the other guys, except better. In his first four seasons, he captured Rookie of the Year, three All-Stars, and an MVP. He had nagging injuries in year five, but I'll never forget seeing their first playoff game that year against Philly. Derrick Rose doing Derrick Rose things, slashing to the basket, his classic, explosive, almost violent gather step, and then boom, his career changed. 
ACL torn, missed those playoffs, missed the entire next year. The year after that, Rose tore his meniscus 10 games in, and that was it for Rose as an MVP player. He played a few solid years in Chicago, bounced around the league, developed a three-point shot, and became your classic kind of good stats on a depleted roster guy. Nothing to scoff at. He still put up 18 a night six years after those devastating injuries. Rose is in his second stint with New York now and like his fifth stint under Tom Thibodeau or something like that. And sure, you might feel like we're close to the end. He puts up like five points a night and doesn't always play. But he's a leadership guy on a legit playoff team. At the end of the day, Derrick Rose is playing NBA basketball in year 15. It looked like it was all but over in year six. Last summer injury story, I promise. Bill Walton. Walton won three straight chips at UCLA and of course was drafted first overall by Portland. The injury bug showed up quickly and foot injuries limited his playing time in his first four years, but they didn't stop him from reaching the pinnacle of basketball. He won an NBA Finals and Finals MVP in 1977 as a rebounding menace, casually putting up 20-20 games. The next year, Walton broke his foot 58 games in, but it was still enough for him to be named MVP. He came back for the playoffs, which ended up being a controversial decision that he ended up showing pretty strong displeasure with, and Walton broke his foot. Again. He sat out the next year and he demanded a trade. He went to the Clippers and played 14 games before breaking his foot a third time. He missed two years after that. He played 14 games in a three-year span. He eventually went to Boston, and this is where it gets good. In his 30s and about 400-foot surgeries in, Walton was a role player at this point, and he revived his career. A guy who played over 60 games twice in his first 10 years played 80 games and won sixth man of the year on a loaded Celtics team. That team won the championship, and the 86 Celtics are considered one of the greatest teams of all time. I'm sure having a former Finals MVP coming off the bench contributed to that. He was a team favorite and was credited with pushing the Celtics over the top. Reality came back. Malton played 10 games the next year, zero the year after that, and then he was done. Now he's a hilarious broadcaster, and I'm pretty sure he's super into meditation. So again, all these guys who get hurt find a way to make things turn out pretty well for themselves. These are not guys who had one major injury like Dominique Wilkins or someone who's always just kind of dealing with something like Kawhi. These are guys who spent multiple years of the prime of their careers under the knife for rehabbing. This is what makes Embiid's post-injury career so unfathomable. Put Yao's career achievement all-star game aside, once the injury bug really set in, only Grant Hill made one singular all-star appearance after injuries took their toll. None of these guys really beat the injury bug. Odin, Brandon Roy, and Yao had to retire. T-Mac, Grant Hill, and D-Rose went from NBA superstars to role players. For Walton, sixth man of the year isn't so bad, but it's a long way from MVP and finals MVP. All these guys fought hard, but when it comes to battling injuries, they all lost sooner or later. Joel Embiid won, and he's still winning. Since Joel's injury-ravaged first three seasons, he's been an all-star six straight years, four-time All-NBA, three-time All-Defense, and a two-time scoring champ. If you look multiple years past the first significant injury for these players, you're probably looking at a guy who's either retired or living out some bittersweet moment. A little over a year after his first surgery and really his last meaningful minutes in the league, Brandon Roy ignited a 22-point comeback and scored 18 fourth-quarter points to win a playoff game for the Blazers. That's probably the highlight of his career when it really should have been a footnote for what could have been a perennial All-Star. Yao got selected to the All-Star game his last season in the NBA, just six years after his first foot surgery. But remember, Yao played like five games that year and he was on a minutes restriction. He got voted in because everybody likes him, not for being the dominant player he once was. Eight years after Tracy caught the injury bug, he latched onto a San Antonio team and got his first playoff minutes past the first round. He got to play in the finals. T-Mac should have been the focal point of a finals contender. Not the last guy off the bench getting minutes as a memento more than anything else. I remember Derrick Rose dropped a career-high 50 points in Minnesota. Gave this really emotional interview about it, too. It was nearly eight years after he tore his ACL. That was the feel-good moment of the year for the whole league, but in 2011, that would have been just another day at the office for Derrick Rose. 
We're nearly nine years past Embiid's first foot surgery, and he's going to win MVP. And he looks like he's leading a team that could win the title. That just doesn't make sense. And who knows how he'll add to his already Hall of Fame-worthy resume going forward. I'd like to think guys like Derrick Rose, Brandon Roy, Yao Ming, and all those other guys, they're, they're happy to see Joel not just overcome, but absolutely conquers career-threatening injuries. For Zion's sake, maybe it gives him some hope that he can turn things around. I hope Zion's career doesn't get cut short like Odin, Roy, and Yao, nor does it get derailed like T-Mac, Grant Hill, D-Rose, and Bill Walton. If he's looking for the blueprint to defy chronic, career-threatening injuries, it's in Philadelphia, and it's Joel Embiid playing the best basketball of his career. All right, that was pretty much it. Glad we got to talk about Embiid being a beast. Um, It's not just the fact that he puts up all the numbers. It's the fact that he does it despite everything he went through his first three years in the league. Really incredible story. And, uh, and yeah, I'm super psyched to see what the, the Sixers can do in the playoffs. But as usual, thank you guys for listening. Always appreciate it. And, uh, and yeah, we'll see you next time. How important was it to get this win? Because you did play a lot of minutes. You weren't sure right up until tip whether you were going to play. Uh, it was really important because we wanted to get this one and go home and try to finish it. Uh, so it feels good to be up 3-1. So uh, we definitely don't want to be in a situation uh, like the Warriors two years ago. <laughs> Joe. I was kidding, man. I tried to say No, I was kidding.